0: Acts 2. And this morning we're going to be talking about life together. Everybody say life together. Life together. Everybody say life together. Life together. Acts 2 and verse 41. It says those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And all the believers devoted them to to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Now, we're talking about life together this morning. Notice they met together. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together. You seeing that this morning, life together. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse forty-seven. And while, and all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Can I get amen this morning? So this morning we want to talk about life together. Everybody, say life together. So we just read here in this passage, Acts 2, 41 through 47, it's the account of the first church, the early church. It's the account of the the church in the book of Acts that on the day of Pentecost there was 120 people in the upper room that got filled with the Holy Spirit And after they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they came out into the city and they started praying in tongues, speaking in tongues. But when they were speaking in tongues, the the crowd or the community was hearing it in their own language. And then Peter got up on the first day of the church. Peter, the, the same Peter that denied Jesus. The same Peter that said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That same Peter got up on the first day of the church and said... This is what's going on here. This is what's been prophesied in the Old Testament, that the Spirit of God would come and he would pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. And he, he had an altar call on the first day of the church. And it says 3,000 people were saved on the first day. That's a good altar call right there. 3,000 people in one day. And so we see Acts 2, 41 through 47 is the account of what happened after the 3,000 people got saved. So there's actually technically 3,120 people there because there was 120 in the upper room. And so that was a big church. How many of you know that's a big church? We've got about 200 people in our church, 3,120. That's a mega church. And that first 3,120 believers started living life together. And that's what produced the results that we see in the book of Acts that the church didn't stop at the altar call they they took their faith uh, from not just on Sunday but Monday through Saturday doing life together and it said that they met in the temple which is the church and then they met in the homes during the week to do life together to eat together it says they they prayed together um they they gave to each other if those who had need they gave to each other they did life together And that's what helped these first 3,120 believers start developing in their faith, start growing in their faith, start becoming a disciple of Jesus is when they did life together. This version of American Christianity that a lot of people have is not biblical. American Christianity is I come to church on Sunday for an hour or two, And then I just live however I want to live Monday through Saturday and then come back and do it again next Sunday. I don't really talk to people at church because I don't want accountability. I don't really read my Bible during the week. I only do that on Sundays just because I have to. I don't really worship during the week. I live a separate life Monday through Saturday and then come back on Sunday just to make myself feel better because I have a guilty conscience. Not because I actually want God, but just it's like, uh, that's kind of what we do. Especially of those who, of us who live in the Midwest, which is the Bible Belt. It's kind of tradition to do that. Even though that's changing because of our culture, is changing. Um, so, am I, am I doing that? Because that's American Christianity, that's not biblical Christianity. Which a lot of people do that, even in a church like ours. They come to service on Sunday, which we only have like one service right now. We used to have like four or five, which you guys could use four or five. I could. But for right now, we just have one service on Sunday morning for most of you. The quarry gets to come on Wednesday nights. But for the the one service you got, you realize there's a lot of other hours in the week. And you're not going to develop spiritually just coming to church for two hours on a Sunday. You're not going to grow in your faith just coming to two hours on Sunday. You're not going to develop into a real follower of Jesus and your life start changing until you get into community. Not just come to Sunday morning. This is the starting place. This is the foundation for the rest of the week. This is not the end of it. You have not arrived just because you came to Sunday morning service. This is just the start to your week to kind of give you a boost for the rest of the week to kind of reset your focus for the rest of the week, to kind of give you a spiritual lift to say, hey, this is what's important. This is what we're doing. This is what God's word says. Now you go into your own life and grow this, develop this, change. But you can only do that in community. We need each other. We need to do life together. That's what the early church did. And it was so vital to the early church because it kept that church strong. And if you read the book of Acts, it talks about the great growth that happened in the early church. It went from 3,000 to 5,000 to 10,000 to 30,000 to 100,000. It was growing rapidly because they were doing life together. And notice what it says. The Lord added to the church on Sundays. On Sundays, because that's the only time they met. No, the Lord added church daily. Not just on Sundays. Now, now, how could the Lord add to the church daily? Because they were getting together daily. <laughs> they were doing life together daily, so God was adding to the church daily. They weren't waiting for next Sunday. Hey, let's get you saved, but you got to come to my church. No, they were doing life together, so people were getting saved every day. So the church was going grap- rapidly, but they were getting saved because they were actually doing life outside the church in community. So they were having a bunch of people over their house discussing the word of God, and they invited their neighbors, and their neighbors wanted to get saved, and the Lord added to the church daily. And they were, then they were at the marketplace, and they were getting their fruits and veggies, and they were talking to people about their faith, and the Lord added to the church daily. They didn't wait for Sunday to get people saved. God added to the church daily. And how many know that's the will of God? That's what God wants to do in us and through us, and not us just wait on next Sunday for people to get saved. God wants to do that in our church that the Lord would add to the church daily to those at Church on the Rock. And he wants to do that in every church on the planet that is willing to do this and to do life together. So we're talking about life together this morning. And I've been thinking a lot about this and we're going to focus on this idea. But the loneliness that this world is dealing with right now. Even before the pandemic, the uh, loneliness that people were dealing with was uh, at such a level that people have not seen in years. I wrote some of these stats down that they said that they did a poll that said 50% of people said 50% they have no meaningful in-person activity all week. Another article I read talked about that the Surgeon General of the United States in the past few years declared loneliness as a public health crisis because they have seen what loneliness does to not just your mental state, but even your physical state. When people are lonely because God never designed for you to be alone, and we're going to get there to that verse, loneliness affects your body physically. When you are lonely, heart issues, lung issues, bone issues, you don't have a strong immune system when you're alone. Your mental and emotional health suffers when you're alone. Higher rates of depression, anxiety, suicide, addiction. Spiritually, it's not good that you're alone. You can't develop the way that you need to develop because you need somebody else in your life to do life with and see the areas that you are missing. And so loneliness is a health crisis, not just a spiritual health crisis, but physical and mental and emotional. But, you know, God knew it was a crisis long before anybody ever figured that out. How I many you know God is always right? His ways are always right. And you know what? Science eventually catches up to him. Medicine eventually catches up to him. And God is always right, and he knows what's best for us And he knows what's best for human flourishing on the planet. So if God tells you to do something, do it. It's for your benefit. If God tells you don't do it, don't do it. It's for your benefit. Because God's ways are right and God knows best. And he said this in the first few chapters of the Bible, that it was not good that man is alone. Now let's look at it. It's Genesis 2 and verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Notice God said, second chapter of the entire Bible. It is not good that man is alone. Now let me break down the significance of this. Because technically, Adam wasn't alone. He had God. But God said, it's not good that you're alone. So for those of us who are using the excuse that it's just me and God and I don't need anybody else, God says, not Adam said, God said, it's not good that you're alone. Yes, you do need God, and if God is all you had, then that's okay. But he said, it's not best that you just have me. You need other fellow human beings that are in your life, not just me. It's not good that you're alone. And I believe here it's not just talking about a husband and a wife. That's part of it. But it's talking about you need other people in your life, not just God. You need physical human beings you can talk to, you can do life with. It is not good that you're alone. And then all these years later, scientists and doctors and psychologists are saying, it's not good that we're alone. Took you this long to figure that out? Because they're realizing that physically your body breaks down when you're alone. It's not good for your physical health. It's not good for your mental and emotional health. It's not good for your spiritual health. God said that all those years ago. And now doctors are saying, yeah, that's right. Of course it's right. Because God's ways are always right. And he said it's not good that you're alone. You need other people. It's been proven that people that live in community and do life together live longer and healthier than those that do not have community. There's a common denominator between people that live to be into their hundreds. They all lived in tight-knit communities and did life together. Why? Because when you do it God's way, Come on now, somebody. You get God's results. Your physical health will improve. Your mental, emotional health will improve. Your spiritual health will improve. When you don't live life alone, you live life together. Because it's not good that you're alone. God does not want you to be alone or feel alone. God wants you to be known and to know other people. That's the greatest desire in all of us to be known and to know others. And that is so important because God's ways are always right. So we see here when we don't do it God's way, when we choose to live isolated lives, lives that are alone from other people, our body suffers, our mind suffers, and our spirit suffers. Because it's not God's design, it's not God's plan. Now, all of these things I just read to you were before the pandemic. <laughs> so this is like a hundredfold on what I just said. If it was like that before, then it's about a hundred times more now when we've had to be separated from each other. Social distancing. Distancing. I agree that we physically needed to be apart from each other to a level. Six feet, actually. But what has happened is we've drawn further away from the relationships we had. We've more and more isolated ourselves, and now there is a health crisis It was bad before, but now it's a hundred times worse because now we've been forced to be apart. And the people that were already kind of distant are really distant now. And the people that needed relationships have been forced apart. And we've seen that it's been proven that everything bad has gone up. Let me explain to you what that means. The people that do the studies have studied that depression has risen like this since the pandemic. Anxiety has risen like this since the pandemic. Physical issues, not just coronavirus, have risen since the pandemic. Suicide and addiction has risen to crazy levels during this pandemic when we've been apart. Because it's not good that we're alone. It's not healthy that we're alone. And God does not want us to be alone That's why he gives us each other. That's why he gives us a church family. Because he doesn't want us to do life alone. And we see the results of when we're alone. That's what happens. I want to share a few reasons why we need community, why we need to do life together. And the first thing I want to talk about is when we do life together, there's safety. There's safety. Proverbs 18 and verse 1. It says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. Let's leave it here. When we do life together, there's safety. It says in this passage very clearly, when you isolate yourself, you're asking for it. You're putting your hands right into the lap of the enemy. When, when we isolate ourselves, we're not safe. When we're alone, we're not safe. We need each other. We need to do life together. And something that happens when we do life together and live in community, there is safety in numbers. And God says it's not wise when we isolate ourselves. Now let me talk to the introverts for a second here. Just because you're introverted doesn't mean you don't need people. Everyone needs people. Now extroverts need them a little bit more than introverts, but introverts still need people. So that's not an excuse why I'm just introverted and I don't need people like extroverts do. No, if God says you need people, you need people. And when you're alone, you get weird. You get strange. You do things you would never do when you're alone. And the enemy seeks after you when you're alone. You know, when you look at porn, do you do it in a room full of people? Or do you do it alone? Oh, y'all don't want to talk? Look, I've never even heard of that word before, Pastor. You do it alone. Why? Because when you're alone, the enemy seeks to devour you. It's not wise when you're alone. When you you do drugs, do you do do it publicly a lot of times? No, you do it alone. When when you're an alcoholic, do you do it publicly? No, you do it alone. Why? Because when you're alone, the enemy will take advantage of you. When you're depressed and suicidal, you're usually alone. Because a man who isolates himself seeks his own desires, which aren't God's desires, and rages against all wise judgment. God said this a long time ago. And then the the country's like, oh my gosh, do you see all these things rising? When we're apart from each other? Yes. Because when we're alone and we're isolated, we are prey for the enemy. So of course all those things went up because it's not good that we're alone. There is safety when you do life Together. There's safety in the group. There's safety in the family. There's safety in the community. There's safety in the herd. Now you don't gotta be too intelligent to watch Discovery Channel and to see (laughs) that the lone seal is the seal. That the great white shark goes after. He doesn't go after the group of seals, he goes after the one seal. Doesn't he? Why? Because a man or a seal who isolates himself is not wise. You are prey for the enemy. When he could separate you from your church family and your good friends and your pastor and and, and the people that are helping you in your life. He wants to do everything he can to offend you and to keep you away from the relationships that will change your life. Because if he can get you away from the rest of them, then you're a prey for the enemy. There's safety in life together. There's safety in community. There's safety in the group. Their safety numbers. The same thing is true on Discovery Channel. It's the lone antelope. The lone antelope that gets taken out by the lion. He doesn't attack the group, he goes after the one. Goes after the one. Because they're vulnerable when they're alone. And you're vulnerable when you're alone, vulnerable to addiction, vulnerable to depression and anxiety, vulnerable to, to things that you would never, never normally say or think. But when you get alone, you feel like you're right and your thinking's not straight. But since you have no one around you to tell you different, the enemy will take advantage of that. And it's the lone antelope that the lion goes after. What does the Bible say in Peter? That the enemy roams around like a roaring lion, seeing who he can devour. Who does he devour? The lone person. The one who has isolated himself from good friends, from good fellowship, from their church family, from doing life together with the right people that will hold them accountable, that will speak faith into their life, that will not put up with their excuses. Come on now, somebody. But the people that really love them. That's the truth. He goes after the one. The lone antelope that wants to pastor themselves at Coffee Crossing. Because I'm above needing a pastor. The lone antelope that says, I don't need live groups because I don't want to be vulnerable with anybody. The lone antelope that says, I don't really need that fellowship or that community. I've been in church a while, I got it. No, we all need it. And if you're thinking that way, the enemy's already got you on the right road. It's called deception. Deception. When you think that you are safe, when you are not, you are deceived. When you think you don't need anybody else in your life to help you, you are deceived. We all need each other. Doesn't matter if you're 17 or 75 in here, we all need each other and we all need to do life together. We need community because there's safety in life together. Here's another thing there is stability. There is stability. The stable people I see in life are people. The live in community. They have family. They have friends. They have strong relationships. They're not isolating themselves from everybody else. There is stability in the group. The Bible says that some people are like tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. In and out, up and down. I'm planted one week, I'm potted the next week. I'm from this church to this church, from this relationship to this relationship, from this job to this job. There's no stability. And your life is like that when you do life alone. You are easily moved. You're easily blown over. You're easily influenced because you need community for stability. Community is like when you're a tree, you let your roots grow down deep into the soil of God's house. Being planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. Being planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. Not potted. Not yearly attendance on Christmas and Easter planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. Planted means I don't just come on Sunday. Planted means my roots are growing down deep. I'm in the ministry of helps. And I tithe and I give my offerings. So I'm plain to, there's another root that goes down in the soil. And, and I actually am in a life group because I do life together. And there's another root that goes down in the soil. And I have relationships with people in church, not surface level relationships that says, I'm blessed and you're blessed and you're both living like hell. But real relationships Say, now, don't say that when you come into each other. How are you doing? Oh, I'm living like, oh, wow. <laughs> but real people that you can be honest with and say, I was depressed last week. Can you help me? Or I looked at pornography last week. Can you help me? Or I'm discouraged this week. Can you help me? Do you have anyone in your life that you can say that to and they will actually help you? There's a key word. I didn't say you could tell people and they're going to say, "I was depressed too. Let's just go drink something to forget about this." Or say, "You know, I was discouraged. Well, I'm discouraged, too. Let's just quit church. You don't need those type of friends But you need to have those relationships because those relationships are roots that grow down in the soil of your life, in the soil of God's house, and you're stable. So when the storms of life come, which they will, you're standing. You're stable. When when sickness or disease tries to attack your family, you're stable. When depression tries to attack your house, you're stable. When your kid runs away from God, you're stable. When when circumstances and relationships are are being struggling. You're stable. Why? Because your roots have grown down deep because of community. Because life together. And without those roots, when the storms of life blow, you're going to blow with them. When the storms of life come, you're going to be destroyed. You're going to be like the house that was built on the sand, not on the rock. Because you got no stability. Because stability comes through relationships, doing life together. That's important. I am already hoarse. Already, I don't know how. The third thing I want to share is there's strength that comes from life together. Ecclesiastes four in verse nine. It says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble, likewise, two people lying close to each other can keep each other warm. Now, this is not a life group verse. <laughs> By the way, like I knew we were close at life groups, but not this close. But how could one be warm alone? Listen to this. Verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. What are these verses saying? That there is strength when you do life together. There is strength. Let's put it back up. Verse 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Verse 10. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Let's leave this up here. So we see here that when we do life together, there's strength. There will be times in all of our lives where we feel weak. If we're alone, we're in a dangerous place. There will be times in our life that we feel tired and like giving up. There will be times in our life that we fall. The problem is not that we feel that way or experience that. The problem is if that happens when we're alone, we're in a dangerous place. That's why the Bible says two are better than one. Because you can help each other. Because you can strengthen each other. And you can pray for each other. And if one falls down, the other can pick them up. But woe to us if we fall down and we have no one there to get us up. Because there's strength when we do life together. I don't know about you, but I've experienced strength from other people in this church. Anybody experience that? There's been times that I needed prayer and I knew people were praying for me and it wasn't me. And I got strength from life together. There was times I felt discouraged and depressed and I talked to somebody in this church. Your pastor, yeah, your pastor felt that way. And you know what? Talking to them gave me strength from that place of discouragement and depression. And I got into encouragement in the joy of the Lord by strength coming from somebody else because you can't do it alone. We all need each other. We all need each other because there will be times that we're going to feel that way and we need other people. And covenant says, if you're in that place, I'm going to come to you to help you, to strengthen you, to pray for you. But you know what, down the road, I might be in a place where I need help and I need strength and I need your help. And you know what? I'm going to go over to this person and say, I'm going to help you and I'm going to strengthen you and I'm going to pray for you because we're doing life together. But woe to us if we're alone. We're going to be crying out for help and no one's coming. We're going to be needing answers and we've cut ourselves off from all the people that have the answers. But there's strength. There's strength in life together. And we all need each other. We all don't live on the mountaintops every day of our lives. There will be days that you don't feel like you're on the mountaintop. You feel like you're in the valley. Or like in the Old Testament says, you're in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. It's a rough day. One of David's mighty men experienced that. There'll be days you feel like that and you need each other. And vice versa, other people need you. Because there's strength that comes from doing life together. You get strength not just from your pastor, but from each other. From your life group leaders. From people that speak faith, speak encouragement, speak strength into your life. You know what? Several times over the past few years, I've needed strength. I've needed help. And, you know, I was never worried about failing. You know why? Because I've invested so much time. And this is not bragging on me. I've invested so much time in so many different people. I know if I fall down, i got a lot of people coming to help me. I'm not worried about it. If I feel weak, i got a lot of people picking me back up. If I feel like I can't do it anymore, I got a lot of people praying for me. But I wouldn't have that if I didn't invest in relationships all these years with other people. I would have fallen and said, hey, I need some help. And everybody said, well, there's nobody here. But let me ask you that question. When you are weak and you're tired and you feel like you've fallen or you feel like you need help, have you invested in anyone else? Have you done life with anyone else? Have you done community with anyone else? Because if you haven't, you got to think about this. Who's coming to help? But there's strength knowing that I have people that have my back. There's strength knowing that people are praying for you. There's strength knowing that if I get in a tight spot, I can talk to them and they will speak what God's word says over my life. There's strength that comes from life together. Lastly, I want to talk about this. And I felt this earlier in the year. God gave me a verse for the life groups for this year specifically. And it was about family. We have a good church here. We wouldn't have lasted 35 years if we didn't have a good church here. We got some awesome people here. Got a great praise and worship team. We got awesome ushers. We got a a great kids on the rock. We got awesome the quarry for the youth of our, our church. We got... A lot of amazing people, gifted people in this church, really for the size of church we have, we have a lot of amazing things. Financially, we're doing great for a church our size, we always have, because of your generosity. Saying all that to say this, I don't want our church to just be superficial in our relationships. I know you guys love each other, but do you do life together? And I don't just want you to be cordial to each other or, hey, I go to church with them. I want you to feel the way that the Bible feels about this. And it says we should be family. We should take it that seriously. That's why it says in in Timothy that we should treat the older men like like fathers, the older women like mothers, the younger women like sisters, and the younger men like brothers. Why? Because the church is a family. This just happens to be our house that the family meets in, this facility. But we should be a family. We should see each other just like that. We should be that covenanted to each other and that loyal to each other like a family. And God is wanting to build a family. Not just a church, but a family. God relates to us as family. He is a father, and he calls us his sons and daughters. God wants family. The church is not just a building to go to. It is a family to belong to. And God wants you to belong to this family. Now, I know I've always felt strong about this, and I've always said it publicly. I'll probably ruffle a few feathers. It's okay. This idea of family you got to be loyal to the right family. I'm not saying dishonor your natural family, but a spiritual family is a much deeper connection. It's a much deeper reality than just we have the same blood or we have the same last name. No, a spiritual connection is much deeper. And sometimes we're loyal to our natural family that is hurting us, And then we're neglecting our spiritual family that can help us, and that should be our true connection. Even Jesus himself in the Gospels, when his mother, oh, I'm about to preach on this. His mothers and his brothers came to see him. They said, your mom and your brothers are outside. And Jesus said, who are my mom and brothers? Those who do the will of God. I know I'm kicking over some religious Midwestern cows right now. It's okay. I'm not saying neglect your natural family, but I'm saying you need to be loyal and covenant and faithful and invest time in your spiritual family above all else. Not ignore, not deny your natural family, but if they're hurting you, you need to make some separations. You need to put some boundaries, you need to make some distance. And invest that kind of time into your spiritual family that's really helping you. And we should see each other as this. Because some of you don't see each other that same way. You would do a lot for your natural brother or your natural father. But you wouldn't do the same for each other in here. I don't think that's right as your pastor. Thank you. Because if your covenant and you see it in the eyes of God, you see no difference. If my sister Jessica was sitting here this morning, which she's my natural blood-related sister, I see her no different than Madeline. No difference between Chad and Weige, John Daniel, the Wells, the Flocks. There's no difference there in my thinking. I see them all as my family. I don't say, well, Jessica has my same blood and last name, so I'm going to be... No, I see all of you as that because that's what the Bible thinks like. That's what God thinks like. Not neglecting your natural family, but making a bigger spiritual family, saying, I'm going to love them and invest in them and treat them like this because that's my family. And if someone messes with your natural family, you would have a problem with it. So if someone messes with your spiritual family, you should have a problem with it. If your natural family had a financial need, you would do something about it. But if your spiritual family has a need, you should do something about it. If your natural family needed prayer and needed help and needed deliverance, you would do something about it. But if your spiritual family has a need, you should do prayer and deliverance and do something about it. It's family. Now, this is what covenant talk sounds like. This is not weird. This is covenant. This is family. And I'm saying we should all see each other that way. Treat, treat the older men and women like mothers and fathers in here. Treat the younger men and women like our brothers and sisters in here. Family. And I know some of you have had bad family backgrounds. So I understand sometimes people are hesitant when they come into a church and people start talking about being committed. And being a part of family, when your family has only hurt you, it's hard to want to commit to something when we say family. And I cannot guarantee you, you will not be hurt because we're all humans in here. But I am going to say, it is the best investment of your life to invest and commit to the family of God. Not just this family, but to the family of God all around the world. It is the best commitment of your life to do life together with fellow believers and really become family together. I want to see our relationships at church not just be superficial, but real and honest and helpful And we pray for each other and we give to each other and we do life together and our kids grow up together and our grandkids grow up together and we go to each other's house to eat and we go to the gym together and we do life together because we're not just, I go to church with you, but we're family and not even in the brother and sister way. Sometimes we talk in spiritual culture. Because you can call brother Les, brother Les all day long. That does not mean you're treating him like family. You can say sister Mary all day long, but that doesn't mean she's your sister. That's a decision you make in your heart. That's a decision you make in your priorities. That's a decision you make in your mind to commit to the family of God. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying this morning? You hear my heart? Psalm 68 and verse 6. So this is the verse that God gave me. God places the lonely in families. The first part of that, that's the the word that God has given me for life groups for 2020. Earlier this year, he gave me this, but I want to repeat to you again. God places the lonely in families. God places the lonely in families. And I know for a fact, there's some of you in here that are lonely right now. And God wants to put you in a family, but you have to choose it. You have to open yourself up to it. You have to give it a try. You have to actually come to a life group and actually get involved. And not just sit in the corner and say it didn't work. No, you didn't try. Actually just ask somebody in here to go out to eat and really try. Because God is placing a family before you, all of you in here right now. and He wants to take the lonely and give them a family, but you have to open yourself up to it. You have to allow God to place you there. And I believe he has the right people and the right place and the right plan for you if you're in this house. So life groups is a major part of that, and that's why we talk about life groups. We believe in life groups. That's why it's Life Group Sunday. Because I believe those of you in here that feel lonely, God has a place for you of family. He knows the right group. He knows the right people. He got you in the right church. You're here this morning. And he wants to put you in a family. I already know of specifically there's... There's at least two or three different people in here I talked to earlier in the year about God placing the lonely in family. And they believed what I said as their pastor, believed that verse, prayed it, opened themselves up to relationships. And now they got all sorts of relationships and friendships and are doing life as a family Because they believed this verse and they believed their pastor and they gave it a chance and God opened all these doors of relationships just because they stepped out. Until that time they were saying they felt like no one liked them or or no one wanted them there or I don't really belong at church. And I said, well, why don't you just believe this verse? Let's pray and just try. Just open up a conversation. Just get out of your box and say, hey, can we hang out? I know that people will want to hang out with you if you just do that. And it happened. There's at least two or three people in here right now in the past year that's happened. So if it, God can do them that for them, He can do it for you too. He does not want you to be lonely. He wants to put the lonely in families. That's what I believe for you, and that's what I believe for this church, because we're going to do life together. In a healthy way, in an honest way, in a real way, doing life together will change your life. When you get the right people in your life, it will change your life. I love it. Pastor Nancy said this. I'm going to close with this statement. When God wants to bless your life, he sends somebody. But when the enemy wants to hinder your life, he sends somebody. And I believe when you got into this church, God sent you to the right place because he wanted to help you, so he sent somebody. And not just me, he sent all of us. And when God wants to bless you, he puts you in the right place with the right people, with the right plan. And I believe that's life groups. You guys believe that this morning? God wants to put the lonely in families. So I'm going to explain this to you a little bit. We have life groups set up in the back. We've done this for several years now. And there's tables in the back where a place you could sign up. Put your name, put your phone number, put your email. All different groups for men and women and the quarry age. Different times, different places, so it can work with your schedule. Most of these groups only meet once every two weeks. Now, if you can't find two hours for two Two, two hours every two weeks, then you're way too busy. The early church meant daily. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking you for two hours every two weeks, if you could just do that. And just that will help you tremendously. And, and the main goal of that is to get you into that group, then the other days of the week, you can hang out with other people in that group. Like make real relationships with people and do life together. That's the whole purpose of this. So when we go in the back here, we're going to give you some time to talk to people, sign up, wear your mask, please. And um, we're really excited about it. We've done this for several years. We've always had big groups for Life Group. I know that this is a little different year because of everything that's went on. We're doing our best to keep it as safe as possible. I know a lot of groups are going to meet here. Not all of them, but some of them, so we can kind of distance people. But I want to encourage you. Go back there, give it a chance, give it an opportunity. More importantly, be led by the spirit of God. And God will show you a group to get in and invest in it. Be a part of it. Um, So we're going to pray in a moment here. Just trying to see if there's any other quick reminders. Oh, we also want to remind you as well, with the way we've been doing groups, we're trying to cap the groups at a certain number so it doesn't get out of control. So if you don't exactly find the group that you want to be in, it's okay. You can sign up in another one. It'll be good for you because uh, we, we don't want the groups to get out of hand and be 20, 30 people. We've had that. It's just been a lot. So I think the groups go up to about 12 per group. So we want to encourage you, Go go back there, sign up, give it an opportunity, give it a chance because it's God's will that we do life together. Okay. he was like, all right, you guys are pumped up and ready for life groups today. Wow. Did I sober you guys up a little bit too much there? It was like, we're doing life together. I'm crickets. Wow. I hear the church mice around here. So let me, before I pray, ask the life group leaders, they can go on back to the back. And I'm going to say a word of prayer for us. And then you guys can head back in the fellowship hall after. I'm done praying for the rest of the group leaders. Well, let's pray. Father, we just love you today. We thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for uh, just the awesome worship we had today and the time together in your word about the importance of doing life together. Father, I just pray for every person in this place that none of us in here would feel lonely anymore, that you would give them family, give them relationships. Put them with the right people to change our life. Father, I thank you. It's your will that we do life together, that we're not alone. I thank you, Father. Let this church be a safe place, a healthy place for people to have relationships, for people to have each other. I pray, Father God, that the words that were spoken today would minister to people, to go into people, to change them from the inside out. Father, we just thank you for a great Life Group Sunday. We thank you for a fruitful Life Group Sunday. The people would sign up. The people would be involved. That Father, you'd lead us to the right people in the right place. And Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, Amen.